All right. You're listening to the They Said I'm Funny podcast. I don't like that. I like saying you're listening to They Said I'm Funny, not the They Said I'm Funny podcast. Yeah. But that's what you're listening to is They Said I'm Funny podcast. Uh, my name is Adam Wolf, and I'm here with my co-host. Justin Marino. All right. And uh, this is our second episode, we think. Uh, we don't know exactly what order, but we think it's our second episode. The first yeah. was an interview with uh, Justin, and we learned a lot about his uh start into stand-up comedy and uh and i'm excited about today because i want to you've you've been in the game and so yes yeah i've um i'm excited about today's interview with mr adam wolf the adam wolf yeah the adam wolf uh i've i've been called the king of nolanville comedy i've been the godfather of nolanville (laughs) comedy i'm sorry uh and the uh one of the top eight comics to see in colleen which that's pretty cool yeah i don't know why they stopped at eight i i that's the. It was a radio show host. She's really nice, and she does a lot in Colleen. But um, I think maybe she only knew eight comics names. So, and I had not performed in. I was still doing stand up comedy, but I had not performed in Colleen in a long time. And uh, you left your mark. Nick Ortiz. Uh, he had not performed comedy in years. Like not just in Colleen. Just and he was still on the list. So I thought when they asked me, I thought it was just going to be like, oh, let's talk about the history of or just comics that used to you know like yeah like a lot of people say oh steve martin's from waco but he's only lived here for like a year or something like he's not from waco he was born here or lived here when he was a kid but okay interesting yeah so and uh, bill ingvall's from temple he is wow i already just made that up no i his parents i think are still there or if they're still alive i respect him as a comic but he his style is not necessarily my that family friendly i couldn't quote him yeah i was uh that Blue Collar Comedy Tour came out when I was in Iraq. And so when we left, we were stuck in Kuwait for like a week. And we watched that over and over and over again. You didn't have a lot of options at that yeah. time. So but so you I, love it. That's yeah. probably one of your favorites. Well, I, I would say that... Um, you light a pile of poop on at that, fire. At that time, uh, Ron White is still is an amazing stand-up comic. Yeah. And I've actually got to see him like He's sitting at the Vulcan, on the stage... Right? Well, this the time I got to see him, I used to be involved with a radio show called The Dudley and Bob Show down in Austin. Mm-hmm. They're something else now. Um, but they would do a live show where they, it was just like, it was like a live, a radio version of a live podcast. Mm-hmm. And they he is a friend. So he started in Texas and lived in Austin. And um, one of the hosts, Dale Dudley, his, he was roommates with Ron, or was going to be roommates with Ron. Like they were buddies. And so Ron White's back in Austin and they did the live show and invited him and he came and they interviewed him. And then he was like, can I do a set? And he did, I was like on the side of cap city comedies, like the big stage in the big room, yeah, like a few feet from him and got to watch him do 30 minutes of stand up comedy. That's it awesome. Amazing. He yeah, was just like, itching to get up there. Yeah. He, he, that, I mean, that's the, I don't know that I'm, I, I do think I'm like that sometimes. Like if yeah. I go as a, uh, patron, a patron as a audience member, and I see, especially if it's one of my friends up there, I'm like, man, I wish I was doing it, you know. And so I, I think if you have, especially him, who's probably been on that stage over the decade, you know, a couple of decades or more, you know, so many times, like, it's like, I'm just going to do it. Or, or maybe it was already planned, but they made it, they played it off the next week on the, on the morning show like that, that it wasn't planned. But Ron White was good. And I, I have to admit, it, it's... It, and in my defense, it was around the same time that I was like, I was really into like Limp Biscuit and corn, not corn in the food, but corn in the band. 
with an insane clown. Like I was never like a juggalo, but I liked their music. So I also liked um, Larry the Cable Guy at that time. Oh wow! Oh, I'm hey, that's but very I was, brave of you. I was not a, a big fan of like Bill Engvall and uh, yeah. and Jeff Foxworthy. It like yeah. um, so the first half of that special. So was, you, was, where you draw yeah. the line is Larry the Cable Guy. Yes, yeah, and <laughs> I blue collar. I I'm not. I think because he's kind of like such a one hit wonder with that character that. Um, I mean, I know he's done way more in it, but it's like a one-note thing. Like, I, I, I'm not as big a fan as I used to be of... I wasn't wearing, like, the, the sleeve of the shirts or anything. I just thought he was funny. Um, he's, yeah, he's funny. But I enjoyed him. I, there is a respect that that he did something that I could never do. Like, he took... Because if you watch early stand-up of him, he's Dan something. He's not Larry the Cable. He's yeah. a regular guy from, like, Florida yeah. with no accent. He's not a redneck, he, you know, and to take that persona that thing and turn it into this huge it was gigantic he was like the thing for many years and i think that what's crazy is that like how often he has to stay in character yes you know for the interviews for the movies like for everything you know and then so i think as far as like how mentally unstable i am like how (laughs) would how would i be able to keep up with Ironically, he's like the Daniel Day Lewis of stand-up. Like, like when when he was playing Lincoln, this is like everybody had to call him President Lincoln <laughs> and all that. Like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, that is something. I think he's on his sixty minutes where he turned he turns it off. Yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, he's like, well, you know, it was just working for me, and I decided to keep it. And this is you know how I can talk, but I can I feel more comfortable you know now talking the other <laughs> he's way. He's become that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's become him. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's something that I can't do. I can't. I don't. It's hard for me to do voices on this. I think even if I practice like an act out or a a voice or just saying something a particular way, I have to practice that and and fail doing it on stage multiple times before I can actually do it because I just get into. It's not even nerves anymore. It's just I just. Yeah, I'm just telling jokes and I forget that I'm also partially an actor up there. Like I. Mm-hmm. especially when the crowd's not into it, you have to act like you're having yeah. a good time and it's yeah. still like, it, like you act like they're a good crowd. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm not ashamed to have been and in, in, in a way still a fan of Larry okay, the good. Cable Guy. It's still my, name, my name is Adam Wolf and I am Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> fan. There's medicine for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's, uh, let's transition, smooth transition. So today we're focusing on Adam and his history in the comedy scene. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm just excited because he he knows people. He knows things. He knows how to be funny. He knows how to write jokes. I, I, I appreciate his Facebook. I, uh, not appearance, but like your presence. Yeah. Your, yeah. your presence. And it's, um, I think... One of the things I've noticed is that, I mean, you're putting out like content hourly. Like, how how often do you feel like you're posting so, some of those dad jokes? So I do have um, notebooks that I carry around, and I occasionally use them. But for the most part, it's it's like my totem. It's like a you know I carry it on the stage, but ninety um, percent of the pages are empty. Um, social media is kind of my notebook for just ideas like okay so um in fact recently i because i on social media especially with all the politics 
and just the way the algorithm works, it was always in my face. So I was writing way too many political jokes. Okay. So recently, within the last few months, I decided if I'm listening to a podcast, if I read a news article, like I, I want to do my best to write a joke that's related in some way to it. So even if it's not, if the if I'm listening to a lot last podcast on the left about like Ed Gein, like if they say something about being a Wisconsin pig farmer, like I may not write about murder, but I may write, Oh, some, Oh, a joke about a pig or something. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's helped me. But basically I, I'm at work, I sit at a desk, I'm doing my job and something, you know, I'll I'll be listening to podcasts. I don't deal with the public or anything. So I'm listening to podcasts and that an idea would just pop in my head. And most of the time it's like, I may have to figure out the wording, but it just pops into my head. Mm-hmm. Like the funny joke pops into my head or, or the semi-funny joke. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll have a funny idea and I'll kind of have it in my head and I'll think about it. I'll go for a walk or something and it'll be in my head and eventually it'll pop out. But most of the time it's just, um, I think of something, I may have to reword it and then I post it and, and that's it. And it's really become my notebook. Literally, yeah. Twitter has a thing where you can download your archive and um, so what I'll do is I'll have I'll come up with a, a really good joke about, uh, for example, I, I made a joke about being a functional alcoholic. I, I was able to keep my job, but not my marriage. And everybody got real sad. But to me, that even that's not a, a laugh out loud type of line. It's a funny concept to me. And I was yeah. able to turn that into a set. So I took that idea and I can search my Twitter for like alcoholism or booze or this or marriage or whatever and then i can find other jokes and then take those and and stitch and add more things to that and so um how do you how do you decide what goes from facebook or twitter to the stage i it's it it can be different um if there is a line that does really well i will um i will say okay well let me see if I've written other jokes about like mm-hmm. this subject and I'll pull those jokes. Uh, other times it's like the concept, like, uh, what I just talked about or, um, the, the kitty litter baby set that I do. <laughs> that was just that one joke. I don't even know if any of them were, I don't remember for sure, but that was more organic. Like I, I, okay. most of that came as I sat down to write the jokes or whatever. Um, but then there's other times I'll, I'll I'll go to the open mic. I won't have a lot of planned material. I'll just have like a note card with, and I usually have, it looks like a band set list. It's just mm-hmm. like one or two words to remind me of the joke yeah. just so I don't forget anything that I want to try. And I'll try and I'll, I'll do that two or three different open mics and you can kind of tell the ones that hit every time. Yeah. And then I'll write based on that, whether it's I add two or three jokes to it or I do a whole five minutes, um, it it just depends like inspiration just hits me at different times yeah. like the moon set which is not a crowd favorite every time but it's a comic favorite because i've yeah. had so many comics say it's their favorite set i had decided that i wanted to write like i had written jokes like a set about my mom passing away or a set about going to therapy and i'm like i want to do something silly so i yeah. picked like the silliest topic i could do which is that the moon is dumb and these are the reasons the moon is dumb and I think there were a couple of those jokes may have been written prior, but I just I just picked it like I wanted to be dumb. I wanted to do a specific mm-hmm. thing, and I did it. So um, no, it's nice to be silly sometimes. Yeah, like not too too sub yeah. deprecating and too too depressing. But I think for me the key is 
right as often as as from my perspective you got to do it at, all the time like write all the time but some people don't work that way like some people are not writing constantly they they schedule like i'm going to write these days or this time period but for me it's just if something pops in my head if i'm at my computer i may text to myself on my phone if i'm at my computer i may tweet it or i may i have a sheet where i just write if it's not a joke but an idea it, okay. i just call it free writing and i just yeah. put the date and just the idea and i may go back and look at it um it's for me it's all about are those coherent notes usually they are okay. um if I type them out, if I write them on a, uh, like if I'm at a comedy show and somebody says something like, whether it's the topic they bring up or the joke, like the format, like, like, oh, I could do a joke that's kind of, so like misdirection, like is something that I do a lot where I, I, the setup is like, oh, it's going this direction. Then I'm like, oh, it's totally opposite direction. Oh, but there's, if you study comedy, there's a bunch of different, of uh, finite amount but there's a bunch of different uh joke techniques okay that are like scientifically this is what makes something funny and so when i hear a comic doing something that is not my normal I'm like i could write a joke that's like that so mm -hmm. i'll write but then when i get home and i don't even drink so it's not like i'm drinking but just whatever my mindset is i'll write a note and i get yeah. home and i'm like what what is <laughs> elbows are smelly like right. what is that what I don't remember what that, and that's like an hour later. That's not even you know a yeah. week later. So, um, but when I'm on the computer, it's pretty pretty coherent. Okay, you know, d because it's just easier for me to type. So, yeah, and I think that that'll be some good advice uh, yeah. moving forward with our with our guests. Yeah, like just to make sure you're not only writing down those notes, but making sure you're explaining enough of it to when you come back yeah. to it, yeah. you can you can definitely. Do, do something with it because if you thought it was yeah. funny it might be because there's even an episode of, of Seinfeld where he wrote something down and he couldn't read it it's like you got to make sure if you take a note it's something that is useful to you later on whether yeah. it's enough of a co coherent idea that you can read it that you know you weren't too drunk you know is uh it doesn't help you if you don't know what the hell it means yeah. so yeah so you're from El Paso yeah so uh, <laughs> my dad was in the army he okay. grew up in El Paso um <clears throat> We were stationed in Germany a couple of times and came back and then uh, joined the army. And Did you uh, get to go with them to Germany? Yes. Yeah. Okay, excellent. How um, long were you over there? We were there probably a, like two and a half years each time. Oh, wow. Um, then I joined the army and I was I was in for about 11 years. I got to see a whole bunch of different parts of the world, including Iraq, which was not the, the best one. But uh, um, I settled... I got out, we settled at Fort Hood because my wife at the time, my ex-wife, she had family there and it was centrally located between Dallas and Austin, yeah. and, you know, close enough to like San Antonio or whatever to where when I was looking for a post, you know, army career job. Um, and I got a job right there in Copper's Cove, right outside of Fort Hood. And I just kind of stuck there for a long time. And that's where I started doing comedy was in, not in Copper's Cove, but okay. out of Copper's Cove. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And, um, yeah, well, I guess what was that scene like? So I, I've been doing stand up, and this is a line I'm going to say, um, because it's not clever, but it, 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 I really feel like I have to like clarify this. I've been doing comedy for about 10 years on and off with a heavy emphasis on off. So when I first started in Copper's Cove, I, there really wasn't that I, 
I was not aware of anything in the local area, whether it was Temple, whether it was um, Colleen, Harker Heights, of any stand-up at all, like opportunities, whether it was open mics or shows. Um, so I was doing a lot of shows in Austin, like open mics in Austin. And so you're driving, and this was the grind. Like everybody talks about the grind. You got to you got to make the sacrifice. You got to drive wherever and, and do really shitty open mics. And so I would drive like an hour and 20 minutes down to Austin and do three minutes of comedy at a like a coffee bar where there's three people. They're in the corner talking, not paying attention. All the other comics are outside being loud. Like, so for years, I would do like, a couple of open mics a night and that or a week, excuse me, a month. I need to learn how to talk. If I'm going to do this podcast, I would do a couple of open mics a month. And I that was like a good, like if I did two or more in a month, that was good for me. So even though like I was two years in an Austin comic had probably done the same amount of open mics I had done in a few months. Yeah. And so, um, it was tough and we tried to create some opportunities, but Colleen, the clean area is not a conducive area. Like the, the bars open and close constantly, so it's hard to find a, a, a supportive owner. The uh, the crowds they're hard to get out, and we kind of see I've seen the same in Waco a little bit with the crowds. Yeah. Um, but finally, we we started working with a bar called Taiku, um, and they were in downtown Colleen. They're the same name, I, I guess, because the sign was so badass that they wanted to keep the same name because it was like a neon, like a dragon, and. Um, but these owners were very supportive of comedy. We did an open mic. We did a monthly showcase. And that's really where I got my chops was like I was on the stage at least once a week. And then if I did a show or another open mic, you know, that was additional. Um, but it wasn't until the past few years with the stuff in, at Corky's. It's classy. And we had another open mic here for a little while at Freight, you know, like where I really I'm not doing comedy enough, but I'm also old and need sleep and have a full time job. But um you know, doing two open mics a week and sometimes doing um, a showcase every once in a while. Really, yeah. it it we talked about it during your interview that just stand up is one of those things. Until you're doing it, like you you're not going to get better. Yeah. You know, at, at being a stand up comic. So, um, but that's the the fast. Uh, the, I, I do have an interesting story about how I started to do stand-up okay, comedy. Yeah, yeah, so, because you had the yeah. military background. So I, I got out of the Army. Uh, I was stationed I was stationed in Maryland, but we like, we settled at mm-hmm. Fort Hood because that's where my ex's family was. And there was a radio station in Austin called, or a radio show in Austin called The Dudley and Bob. It was one of the last morning shows where they just talked, no music, uh, kind of they kind of aged out of the Howard Stern. They started out as like the Howard Stern shock jock, but they kind of aged out and they're like old family guys like, like me, you know, with, um, and it was just an interesting show. And they, they did a, um, 25th anniversary for the two main hosts, their 25th year together. And the main host wife put a call out to the we The fans were called the warriors. They wanted to do a special party for them that morning. And they asked one of the things they asked for was somebody to roast them. So I spent a couple of weeks and I wrote a bunch of jokes and I went there and I was on the radio, never done any kind of like radio show or, or I, I did like maybe fifth grade talent shows. Like that's the closest to performing in the army. You have to do some public speaking, but it's your, like your soldiers or whatever. It's not, you know, just strangers. And so I'm these people that I've been listening to on the radio, like now they're just my friends, but at that time they were these big celebrities. So I'm nervous because I'm in the room with them. I'm nervous because I've never done any type of performance and I 
probably, I think they had like 100,000. I don't know. They have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of listeners in Austin at the time. And I did the roast. I was super nervous. Um, They had to bleep me out once because I... um, (laughs) talked about Arbitron, which is the ratings thing. And they're not allowed to talk it like <laughs> Bubba the love sponge got into huge trouble. Cause he yeah. talked about it. So I, I got, but I did well enough to where the host was like asking me if I, like, if I wrote all the jokes, did you have help and all this? And they were like, Oh, you should do stand up comedy. Um, and at that time I still didn't think I could do stand up comedy. Yeah. Uh, but then I had a, a fellow listener to the radio show, Chris, he was like, let's do stand up, Let's do it. And then I went, um, through the the radio show, like a lot of the comics at Cap City would do the radio show and then they would have uh, their tickets that they have. And if you're not from that area, you so they give, they make their money from the food and the drink. So they give away okay. a lot of tickets. So I, I got to go see some stand-up and I saw some of the openers and they were great, but I'm like, I can do that. Like I may not be able to do a whole hour of comedy, but I right. can do 10, five, 10 minutes of, and be funny. So, um we signed up at Cap City where you had to, like the week before, you had to send an email and then you show up. And I made the mistake of signing up right in the middle of Funniest Person in Austin. So like almost everybody but me is like the seasoned comic that um, made it to like the second or third round. And um, I got to perform with like, they're not nationally known comics, but they've done some things like Mike McRae was there that night. Ramin Nazer, he won for any person yeah. in Austin one year. Like Mike McRae's been on like a Howard Stern. He was on uh, Frank Caliendo's TV show. Like these are, and it was my first time ever. And um, I, I had I known that I would not have chosen that night to go, but it, 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 um, it was interesting. It worked out. And so, oh, that guy Chris that said, oh, let's do stand up. The last minute canceled. So I, oh geez, it was me and my ex wife. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never like I didn't have a mentor to like tell me this is how this works you know and you didn't have this podcast to listen to yeah it was yeah (laughs) you're welcome everybody listening yeah so it was a that's that's how i started it was it was very interesting yeah the first performance i ever did was on a radio show to the people of austin baptized by fire yeah 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 pretty cool so that that's so that is so cool that you're able to I don't. Yeah, and I see. I feel like there are a lot of people that are from the fan side of things that don't know what it's all about. Yeah. And then once you go, like you said, you go to the show, like, oh, I, I could do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I might not kill for ten minutes, but I think I could get a few laughs. You know, and that's. I think that's encouraging. Yeah, and I I grew up in the eighties and nineties, so when I, like, when I was a younger kid, you know, it was go to it was probably even prior to blockbuster. It was like the mom and pop video story. And my parents would always get like the, there wasn't comedy central yet. There wasn't, you know, the YouTube, there wasn't, you know, so like you had the big HBO special was like only the hugest comics you'd see, you know, with the special. So they'd get the VHS tape with like George Carlin or Robin Williams. So I, you know, I, and my dad had these records like Bill Cosby or flip Wilson or Cheech and Chong, like, so I, I've always loved comedy, but I never thought I would perform. I've been to, to comedy clubs prior to that, that time period. Like in El Paso, there was the comic strip and I went a couple of times, but it wasn't until I had that encouragement. And even then, if I didn't have the peer pressure of my friend, like I would not have gone to do the open mic. I probably would have just stayed on Twitter and 
in Facebook yeah. and been that annoying guy on Facebook that's always posting yeah. all the time. No, but yeah. we're, we're glad you did it. Yeah, I am. Usually I am too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, most, most Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't like to put labels on people. Um, but you know what, what kind of comedic style do you feel like you have and, and where you've, is there anyone where you found like particular influence from? So I started, um, I think my, my foundation in comedy is one liners just because that is the easiest. I'm kind of lazy. So I, I gravitate to the easiest thing. So one liners is the easiest thing for me to do. Um, I think my comedy style is, is kind of similar to yours where you take, you take a, a few good jokes or whatever, and you kind of build a narrative around them or you take a narrative and, and, and fill in the blanks. I don't really tell stories about, um, about my life or whatever. I, I talk about things in my life, but I don't. Um, so I, for the most part it is, I, like we talked about before, I, I constantly just write one letter. I challenge myself. Okay. Well, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm listening to, you know, I, I read this article about this asteroid or whatever. Let me write a joke about it. And sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're not. And, um, like I said, I, I will take a, uh, the series of jokes, like one-liners and, and just do one-liners and see if they do well or, um, you know, just the different techniques. But I, I, I feel like I'm a one-liner comic at heart that has, um, that can transform them into a cohesive grouping is basically, it's not really storytelling, but it is my favorite bits are the ones where I, and they're easiest to remember. It's hard to remember like 10 random one-liners that aren't related yeah. at all. Um, but I, between yeah. like content and topic, you, yeah, you Correct. can make yeah. them cohesive. And I, I am lucky that I have, I mean, I've probably been on social media like 13 or 14 years or longer, uh, but been really writing jokes on social media for probably 12 or 13 years. And so I have a, big pool of of jokes to pull from to form the foundation um and just that experience of writing because you have to learn like and we also talked i think it was during your your interview where we were talking about twitter forced me to be a more concise writer Mm -hmm. twitter actually helped me cut the crap out because i find my even on stage these days sometimes i'm like that's too many words for this joke i just need to just tell the joke get to the joke set up joke set up joke and so um I don't know. I I because the one-liners come. It's almost like uh, like those people you hear about, like when they they learn, they they can hear a song and they can play it. Like, okay, yeah, they don't have to like read the notes. They don't. They they just hear it. And so for me, the I do know there is a calculation behind it. It's it's like Rain Man, I guess. Like he can just drop the matchsticks on the floor and he can just <laughs> count how many there are. There is some kind of calculation behind, you know, like the, I understand how jokes work. I understand what's funny most of the time. And so my brain can just quickly, so I, I admire comedians like Mitch Hedberg or Stephen Wright, but I can't, it's hard for me to learn from them because I, my technique is almost like subconscious, you know? So it's, um, I did learn a few things like, um, from, Mitch Hedberg, where he will do, he, he will like, I, I imagine the way he wrote was he had like a really good joke and then he would 
fill, you know, because he never had like a whole five minutes on one subject, but he would do like a joke about one thing and then have some related jokes around it. Like, yeah. um, and I think I kind of learned from that, that if I can do one-liners, but if I can, if I can have one or two one-liners that are on the same subject or maybe one or two one-liners that transition smooth, more, more smoothly, that helps because if you go from, Oh, uh, talking about a cat to, yeah. Oh, talking about, brain surgery like that it is a big jump in the people's brains you know like right. they have to have time to adjust and so it at an open mic that's not as important but during a showcase you kind of have to even if it's not a story it's kind of ha, ha, it has to have like a, a natural flow kind of like a story yeah, so for sure um and those listening uh mitch hedberg was uh, a fantastic comedian uh, taken yeah. too soon much like coolio yeah um <laughs> Every yeah, how long is this going to last? That, yeah, I'll bring that. That's my plug. <laughs> <laughs> what are you plugging? Coolio's death. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, but yeah, um, he was a fantastic, predominantly one-liner. But yeah. he he told a few stories. Um, died in the early two thousands. It had to have been yeah, because he was on that. He had a, a guest appearance, a few episodes of uh, that 70s show, and I think that was around yeah. that time period. And I was listening to a pod, I, can, I wish I could remember his name, it's a Canadian comedian, one of those like road dog touring comedians that is, uh, uh, you know, worked with a lot of famous people, and he's, he came up around the time that Mitch Hedberg did and worked with him a lot, and he said that, like Mitch Hedberg, like he didn't sit down and write, like he didn't say, oh, I'm going to come up with weird thoughts, right. like that was how his brain like and it's kind of that's why it's hard to learn like you can't learn how to think about right. oh ducks like me more depending on it whether i have bread or not like that is i mean you could but it, i don't know that it would be as natural and as if it pops into your head you know and so that i to me it's it was hard to to learn a lot from that style of comedian you know i've always, and i always appreciated listening to him and like even on a special, like whether that's like audio or video recording, like there's, there was some things that he would bail on. Oh like yeah. In, in the middle of it. And he's like, and he would bring it so up. Dumb. Yeah, yeah. I just wrote that. Uh, I should not have. Yeah. Like he, and that's, I, I do get inspiration. That is somewhere where I learned, um, because there'd be times where I would, um, and this is something we'll probably talk about in the bombing episode, um, where I would have, even even if I wasn't bombing, if I had a joke where I met, like I, I said the punchline during the setup on accident or something, where I would like say a curse word or something like, and, and it was uncomfortable for the audience because I wasn't being funny at all. I was, you could tell I was upset and I would get mad, but now I may say something, but I it, it will be like that. Oh, that was dumb or I screwed yeah. that one up or, you know, like, let me start over and right. tell the whole joke over, yeah. you know, like there are ways to mess up and make it funny. And, um, and like you said, he, he did a special where he literally would like try jokes. It was his special <laughs> and he tried jokes that he wrote earlier in the day and, yeah. and they didn't work. And he said that that did not work yet. Yeah. Like, um, he was a special, he was, it was funny. I, I have, when I write just one liner jokes, I don't know how to memorize like five, like the order or not leave five minutes of one-liners out, let alone 15 minutes, a half an hour, an hour. And I, so I always have a note card when I'm just doing one-liners, like the, the cohesive narrative sets, like the kitty litter baby set, I have it memorized now. 
I just need to practice a few times. Like tonight yeah. I have that show. I need to practice it a few times and then I'll go. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one-liners, I have the set list. And I so I was asking what techniques people use to memorize just one-liners. And they said somebody brought up that Mitch Hedberg would do that. He would have like on the floor like a band have his oh, okay. list of jokes. Like just next to the amp yeah. or something. And at first I was like, well, then I feel better. Because, okay, a, a successful, you know, somebody who was going to hit it big if he didn't pass, um, comic was doing that. And then I was like, that guy was on heroin all the time. Like, maybe he's not the best, like, person to take comedy, you know, like, memory <laughs> advice on. So, I don't know. It's, it is a, yeah, it, it's tough. We to, all have our vices, yeah. <laughs> Adam. All right. Some of them are black tar Mexican yeah. heroin. Yours is talking about Coolio's death from <laughs> every opportunity you have. I got to stay topical. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is for for now. Uh, 72 hours. Two two years from now when you're still talking about <laughs> Coolio's death, it's not going to be... You don't know yeah. how it affected me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you were talking about the roast with the uh, radio host, um, but when you transitioned to that Cap City open mic, do you remember? Do you oh, remember yeah. your first joke? I remember it uh, really well, and I, in fact, I have the video. I mean, I don't. I, we we can add it in post if we yeah, want to, but and, I think we um, should. We didn't. There was some miscommunication with the uh, arrival time this morning, so we yeah, weren't as yeah, prepped sorry, as we sorry. were. No, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying to the audience members, in the future, we'll be a little more uh, organized and prepped, but we'll add it in post. But I wrote a. It got laughs. Okay. So it was, um, and they, of course, a lot of times that they, I do remember my first joke. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, but I want to hear yours first. So, um, you, you, uh, you entered, like I, I read a couple of books about stand up comedy and they're like, introduce yourself to the host, you know, tell them about yourself, you know, make sure they know who you are, ask about whatever the light, all that stuff. And so I introduced myself. It's my first time. So of course that when you go up there, there's, it's your, it's this guy's first time. Give it up. You know? So I think the audience is a little more forgiving when they know it's your first time and they're encouraging. Um, and that's something comics need to know is that the audience 90% of the time, I, I won't say every time, but most of the time they're there to have a good time. So they want you to succeed. So they're not your enemies. They're your yeah. friends. But so it, it, I do believe that it helped that they knew it was my first time, but I remember, so did you, you never had the opportunity to do cap city cause it, it closed for COVID and then... Yeah, I went yeah. just as a patron. But so never did you go in the big though. room or the small room? Well, you had uh, to go through the small room to get to the big room. Mm-hmm. So the small room, it was a very um, intimate... Uh, just it When you watch like Seinfeld and you see him in the little comedy club, like the dark room with the little candles on the yeah. table, um, the red curtain behind you, like you see a comedy club, that's what... I thought comedy was. And so I thought like my first experience was probably in one, like my favorite places ever to do comedy. And I haven't been to the new one cause they, they haven't started doing the open mic yet. And I haven't had a chance to go to a show, but I hope they retain some of that atmosphere. Um, and so I was, I still get nervous, but controllable nervous. Um, it was uncontrollable back then. And for years and years, probably even when I started back again in, 2000 um the first showcase that i got invited to i bombed because i was just so nervous but so i was extremely nervous um cap city was a comedy club with the bright light like the bright spotlights so you can't see the audience 
you know, you learn techniques as you go to like kind of look down and, and kind of pretend you're looking at the audience, but you, I didn't know about taking the mic off. So I was too scared to take the mic off. So <laughs> I'm standing with my hands in the pocket. I had a, a Texas, I think I had a Texas Rangers hat, so you couldn't see my face. I, um, not tech for those, not from Texas, not te- Walker, Texas Ranger, like cowboy hat, like a Texas, the baseball team. Yeah. Baseball <laughs> team or long. I had a, a ball cap on is what I'm saying. Um, and I was literally just, I think I memorized my set. I don't rem- I may have had it written down, but I was just reciting the jokes that I had written. I, there was no personality to it. There was no, I was so nervous. I was rocking a little bit back and forth. My hands were in my pocket. I was staring at the mic. So worried about missing the light because that seemed like that was like the worst thing you could ever do. You know, like the, the way the instructions were given to me. And so, um, I got a taste. It was good enough to where I, I, I was not scared to go back. I mean, I was nervous, but I wasn't scared to go back, but it was a, I got lucky and it was a, I, I feel like if you have a comedy club near you to do an open mic at, do it at the open, the comedy club, because it's, it's real. It's, I mean, and it's a, not even just that it's because like Corky's is really good, but it's the comedy club is a performance art, like centered venue. So it's built to be great for in, kind of like the Brazos Theater here in Waco. It's the same thing. It's built as a performance art mm-hmm. venue. So it it is very, it helps the audience get in the mood when they're not at a bar with a bunch of distractions. So yeah. that's just my opinion, but people might be too scared to do that. They may feel more comfortable at a, but. And, and we yeah. talked about that on my interview that that environment is just so welcoming at Quarties. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not going to get that at, you might not get that at Cap City. Yeah, even at Classy, which you've done a couple of times, it is a, a similar vibe to to Corky's, but it it there it is. I think part of it may be because of the music. It is not as welcoming as as for the com- comedians as as Cor- Corky's is just a unique. I think there's just some kind of magic vibe. I don't yeah, know if it was a, sure. on purpose, on accident, if it was like uh like Dan being a com- the Dan's the owner being a, a comedy and uh, Corky's is a bar and temple. Uh, I, he's a comedy fan. Messiah came in at the right time and op- that open mic. So I think it, it is it is a special place. So if you're in the central Texas area and you want to do stand up comedy, hopefully by the time this gets released, uh, the open mic's still yeah, going on. Come talk to us. Yeah, um, yeah just we'll you'll, we'll put our social media in yeah, this. You can, can slide can into my DMs yeah. if you want to. Yeah, he likes so. it when young young men slide into his DMs. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually who does. Is this funny? Like, yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, well, did you tell me your joke? I did not. I, okay, cool. um, so, and it's, it's a, um, it's an easy joke. It's, it's kind of like a shocking joke and it, it does involve misdirection. Um, and I, I'm going to make it a clean version of the joke. It's, uh, and uh, so what happened was I wrote it as a joke about, Oh, if I ever do stand up comedy, this is going to be my first joke. And so the joke is, um, like I get real nervous on like, a, like a, I, I was real nervous about tonight, so I was talking to a friend about uh, like techniques to not be so nervous, and he told me I should try doing what Jim Morrison did. So I thought about like in the movie, in the beginning he's nervous, so he performs with his back to the audience. So I was like, is that what you mean? And he said, no, I think you should uh, kill yourself, or you should overdose in the bathtub because you suck. <laughs> and so, you know, like it's... It's not a super like thoughtful, or but it, it got laughs right away. And, and because I was so nervous... Um, it, it almost played into it. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's fantastic. And so that I wrote that as a joke about 
Take that one yeah. off the shelf. Off the shelf? Yeah. I like that one. Take it off and use it? Or, yeah, and use oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I have other, I wrote um, other jokes about... Um, the doors. No, I could. <laughs> I, I just have to wait. Like, I wrote those Jeffrey Dahmer jokes and I was worried that, like, I yeah. think there were some audience members that are too young. Like, if you're right. not a, no, I know, a true crime host or, or a fan and, and you're not Netflix. old, but now, you know, I can bring those out yeah. again and, and people should know. But I, The Doors, that movie came out, like, in the 90s, so I don't think it's relevant anymore. And But I think every white teenager goes through a doors phase so the if yeah. i have an audience full of white like all the guys that slide, slide into your dms <laughs> white teenagers then maybe i can uh i can do that joke but this podcast is not about trafficking <laughs> we have to bring that up at least once an episode <laughs> you, you said you seem very defensive about <laughs> that I know, yeah yeah I, I got i got lucky um because i had been writing jokes on social media for a couple of years when I look at my original, like I, I use an, an app called TimeHop. And so it pulls from Facebook, from Twitter, from Google Photo, like different apps. And, and it'll show you like one year ago right. that, you, that you posted these things. And so like I, there is a time period where I went from complaining about the Dallas Cowboys and uh, like posting lines from movies to actually writing. I don't remember what made me do that transition. Maybe I wrote a couple of funny things, original things, and mm-hmm. they got laughs, but... So I was lucky that I had written, I'd started on that process of learning to write jokes prior to doing standup. Um, whereas most comics, they may not, I don't know about most, but some comics probably just, oh, I'm going to do standup. Let me write jokes now. Right. I got the, so I got up and did my first open mic with a, a history of, of jokes already. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I'm not trying to hijack it, but like the interview, but, I I had taught English, and, and so I feel like some of that that writing, just learning you know the techniques yes, and, and yeah. being uh, coherent and making sure your message gets across, I think that helps tremendously. Yeah, like whether that's professionally you know at my day job or on Saturday nights. And with, and with the comedy, the written word. I mean, there are jokes that are obviously not going to work on stage. Like if you're doing a pun or where the words are spelled differently, that's not going to translate. Right. Like if I, I can, you know, like I do have a joke where I say, you know, like, uh, I, I went to a, you know, like, and it's a good time to do it. I went to a, a farm. They had like a pumpkin festival and I was in a, one of those labyrinths, you know, whereas the native Americans would say a maze. Yeah. And so that, that kind of works, but I like there are certain visual jokes that you have to see, but, and, but there is also, you write different than when than the than you speak. So there are jokes that I have performed exactly the way I wrote them, and they didn't do well. And then I'm like, when I'm practicing, I stand in my living room and I practice with a microphone, and I'm like, well, what if I say it this way? And then it does well because you you kind of have you you want them to think you're talking to them, not yeah. reading jokes right, sure. at them. So yeah. So, um, did you have, well, not just for the listeners, but for our potential future guests, um, you started get kind of out on fire, you know, baptized by fire, and that's that's really cool. Not everybody's going to be able to do that, but did you have any advice for those of us still green or still thinking about making that jump from the chair to the stage? 
Well, um, I'll I'll say the and part of what and we'll talk about this in the the next segment or episode. I've had a lot of people ask me about, oh, should I do stand up comedy or I thought about it or I dreamed of it, like just do it, you know, and and give yourself um, some goals because what happened with me was I was going to do stand up comic uh, comedy and then. I was writing jokes and everything. Oh, I'm going to do it next week. I'll sign up next week. And then, you know, it was probably two or three months after I said, I'm going to do it, that I actually did it. So I, I think, um, set a goal, you know, like if you want to do stand up comedy, sign up for a mic, you know, even if you do yeah. it a few months out, give yourself a deadline. You know, um, if, if you are already doing stand up comedy and you want to be on a showcase, um, you got to be good, but you also, if you want to do something, just do it. So yeah. contact people, you know, go to the open mics. And if you know somebody does a showcase, say, hey, um, whenever you think I'm ready, put me on an open mic. I really like to do a showcase. Put me on the showcase, you know. And, and so um, I find myself still to this day where I just procrastinate or I don't feel I'm ready yet or whatever. And I think it has, um, I've passed up opportunities because I was, I procrastinating or nervous okay. or didn't feel like I deserved it. So if you, if you think you, uh, want to do stand up comedy or you've ever thought about it, just do it. If you know, f- listen to this podcast, get some advice, you know, find out about open mics. If you want to do a showcase, make some goal. Like I, right now, my goal is to have uh 10 or 15 minutes that I can do every single, you know, like 15 minutes that I can, that I have memorized completely that I know it, you know, I'm going to continue to make it tighter. That way, if somebody asks me to do a showcase, I'm going to do, I'm not doing newer stuff. I'm doing stuff, you know, I may rotate new stuff into it, but I have a showcase ready, like kick-ass 15 minutes. And that's my goal. That's what I'm working on. I should have already had that, but you get into these mindsets where I'm just going to write new stuff all the time, or I'm going to do this. And so my goal right now is to have a 15 minutes that I do a showcase. So just set goals for yourself and that, that can change you know if you've never done stand-up your goal may be to do an open mic if you've done stand-up your goal may be to like oh i've done temple so many times let me go to austin or dallas or you know and always set a goal even if it's just you're at the open mic have a goal for that night like nobody's in the i've i had to learn this the hard way because you go to an austin open mic nobody you know not all of them are like this but particular open mics i won't name drop nobody would be there you drove an hour and a half you have four minutes to do stand-up have a goal for that night. Like, yeah. um, let me make one of the new, comedians I, chuckle. Yeah. I want to make the comedians chuckle or I want to remember to move the mic stand out of the way, okay. or I want to move a little bit on the stage or I'm going to do a joke or I do a voice, you know, like have a goal so that when you drive an hour and a half to go to an open mic, you don't feel like you completely wasted your time. And especially with gas prices these days, like, um, and it, it can just be as simple as I haven't done comedy for a week. Let me just get back on the stage. And, you know, that you just have some kind of goal to, to motivate you and to, to make you feel like you, you're you accomplishing things, you know, yeah. other than just going and hanging out with the guys or whatever, which is great. Yeah. But, yeah. That can be good. So that's the end of our second episode, correct? Yeah. End of the second ep- episode and or segment. We are and, not yeah, yet sure. Yeah. yeah. How, yeah. And but we'll, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might need to be edited out. Yeah, we're gonna add in post all the uh, social media and stuff once we get that all recorded, but that was it. Yeah. So let me uh
Thank you for listening to They Said I'm Funny. Uh, you can email us at they said I'm funny at gmail.com. You can find our social media on Twitter. You can find us at they said I'm funny. And on Facebook, search for our page, they said I'm funny. You can also give us a call on our Google Voice number. Uh, that number is 254 294 6032. That is 254 294 6032. And thanks again for listening.